Hey, good evening, and welcome to another edition of The Legal Geeks, and we are here to talk about a movie that I am actually surprised by how much I loved it. I think it's probably the best of the Marvel uh, movies to date, and I'm here with a longtime fan of it, so I shouldn't be talking at all, because while I am a new fan of Captain America, I'm here with my vlogging partner, Josh, who what? I'm guessing you probably love Captain America since the time you could walk. Hey, Josh. Good evening, Jess, and yes, you are correct. I've been a longtime Captain America fan. Uh, Cap and Submariner are my two favorite Marvel characters, both going back to the 40s, but being the, the history geek, uh, kid of the Reagan era, that I, I, have a, I have a strong fondness of Captain America, and I had two very strong, positive grandfathers who were of the World War II generation. That's right. So what do you think of today's, or well, of this weekend's uh, newest movie? Oh my God, that was amazing. I strongly believe it was the best Marvel movie to date. Lots of messages that people could take away from, uh, regardless of political beliefs. It could actually, That's true. You could support your line of thinking, depending <laughs> on the side of the aisle that you're on. Your opinion of presidents, current or past. <laughs> This is an impressive trick to pull off. Yes, it is. How do we do this and not offend 51% of the country or 49% <laughs> depending on who's in power? They, they did it. And it was fantastic. It had a plot. It had a message. The fight scenes were jaw-dropping. Awesome. Great character development, I have to say. I mean, I really, I felt like I got to know the characters a lot more. They just weren't, you know, they had great lines, lots of good quips, but I also felt like you got some real character development and got to see a little bit about these people, kind of seen behind the mask, if you will. Not only that, Captain America can't go back to 1945. No. So, which is important to have the man out of time and trying to fit in and, you know, and find connections. And the way that they handled that from the first frame of the movie was really endearing and well done. Yes, it was. I love that Falcon is kind of his connection to more modern times um, because I adored Falcon throughout the, um, throughout the movie. And the fact that, yes, that personally he could kind of befriend Cap was good, but also that he actually deals with vets who are struggling with PTSD and other issues reacclimating after being in war. Um, that fits for Cap as well as, you know, more recent veterans. It was well done, and a good tribute to the comics, because in the comics, Captain America and Falcon are really good friends, many adventures together, with Falcon being Cap's partner for a significant period of time. Wow, nice. So that was very well done on, on how they did it. And I have to say, you know, I've always loved the tough action chicks, like, you know, seeing the girls getting in there. And so I've always loved Black Widow because she's always been a badass and very tough. And of course, Scarlett Johansson is mega hot. But um, I really liked her development in this one, too. For the first time, we didn't just see kind of this, you know, tough chick who's out there being super smart, super badass. But I mean, we actually got to see a lot more, obviously, with her connection to Director Fury and how much she cares for him. Um, a little bit more about her background and kind of some more of the human side of her. So I really enjoyed that and just her general role uh, throughout the movie. It was clever and she wasn't decorative. You know, she helped solve problems. She kicked ass, all the things that we wanted her to do. And it was, it was nice. It was a really well done role for her. Yeah. She was great. Um, Robert Redford was great as a big bad. So, uh, and obviously, I don't know if you knew he was a big bad, since I don't know the comic books at all. You know, aside from the few things you include me into, I went into this pretty much a novice. Because you know what? 
I still haven't even seen the first Captain America. I meant to, but they took it off Netflix instant streaming, and so the whole getting the DVD is very hard. So I really am a Captain America novice, um, aside from what I saw in The Avengers. But um, So I had no idea that he was going to be the big bad, although once you see Robert Redford playing the secretary, kind of clued in. That's kind of the traditional you know, clue that that's going to be a bad guy, but it was still fun to watch him. The, the only clue that I had, even though I did suspect he was – the bad guy, uh, was the fact that in the comics that started this arc, the bad guy in that was named Alexander uh, Lupkin, uh, Russian, and so in Pierce's first name is Alexander. So that's right. the only homage that they worked in, which was fine, because they actually tried doing the full-blown Winter Story soldier line, which was in a well-defined Marvel universe of decades of character development. Wow. There would have been no way to have pulled that off successfully. So what yeah. they pulled the key elements and made a nice tight story and it worked. It was really, really good. And I was thinking like a lawyer the entire time. So Okay, before we get to that, before we get to the legal issues and you've spotted some great ones, we were also talking last time about Agents of Shield and you know clearly there was Hydra was raising its head there. What did you think of the reveal of at least one of the what are they the shield, what are they called, Sidwell and those other guys? What are they at that level? Of the other agents. They're just well, agents? Yeah. I don't know, they seem super high. So I'm like, are they directors? Are they assistant directors? They're they're definitely in management positions and they're traders who need to be shot. So there's that, uh, but the civil war that they'll have within S.H.I.E.L.D., because one of the articles I read today on how they're going forward is they don't know who's bad, and that's really tough in a spy agency, because at least with soldiers, you have a trust, and that's mm-hmm. how military units function is the trust that the other guy's there. Spying's about lying, mm-hmm. and that's a fundamental difference, and when you merge the two which is what S.H.I.E.L.D. is. And which is what Captain America was really struggling with this time. That's bad. And that's why the philosophical problems that I had while watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was I tend to see the world in black and white of good versus bad, and seeing good guys doing things in the black kind of bother me. So Yes. Well, so what do you think is going to happen Tuesday night? Do you think Sidwell is already going to be unveiled as a bad guy? Will S.H.I.E.L.D.? be basically what um destroyed tuesday night i mean that's kind of how are they going to tie they've been so good right about this marvel universe and you know the multiverse and keeping all the parts kind of cohesive so do you have to go in i wonder if they're going to basically assume going into tuesday's agents of shield you should have seen captain america this weekend uh i i think that's a given i think that i think that's a given that you need to see cap before going forward with agents of shield which is an interesting thing to force that much on a TV audience, you know, to basically be like, you can't just be a TV audience, you have to be a movie audience too, which if you're a true Marvel fan, probably isn't that hard a burden. But if there are other non-Marvel fans watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's a very unique, integrated storytelling mechanism they've developed in having yeah. an active TV show and movie production simultaneously. And... And some internet shorts, too, right? Like the Agent Carter short and some other stuff that's just on the internet? Uh, Those were in the Blu-ray specials, but some of them, like, parts are leaked out as as advertisements. So, and I haven't watched all of them because I haven't picked up the Blu-rays and all of them, but it's interesting where they're going. So, they will either do it, it'll be the night that Fury shot, or it'll be the day after. Okay. 
because the Captain America movie basically took place over 48 hours. Yeah. I mean, you, probably about 48 hours, give or take. And with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., with being recalled back and what's happening, that looks like it's all happening simultaneously. So with Fury back on the grid, uh, it's in the way that they ended the episode. I think it's we'll, the overlap will happen there. So that we'll either see the beginning, because if you're doing a military coup, which is what Pierce and the Hydra was doing, you take out the threats immediately. Mm-hmm. And so Victoria Hand recalling the S.H.I.E.L.D. plane uh, to kill them all would be a step to eliminate the threat. So this that makes me think it's more taking place that night. Yeah, early on in the coup. Yeah, so that's, that's my gut feeling, but we'll find out Tuesday. And, wow. and you know what? I'm okay waiting. I, I enjoy being surprised, but that would be my gut feeling on how they would do it. But I've been wrong many times. <laughs> and you've had to wait. You were such a diehard fan. You went to the Thursday night midnight showing, right? I went to the Thursday night 9 p.m. showing. Oh, they're not even doing midnight anymore? It seems like you should at least have to wait until midnight to show your hardcore. They, they started doing that with Thor. And I thought, like, I don't have to be here at midnight? <laughs> it makes working on Friday really hard when you have to Yes. So I'm groggy and I don't write well. I don't function well. So catching the 9 p.m. movie was, was the better life choice for me. So. That is. The only midnight movie I've ever done was Rocky Horror Picture Show twice. And that's it. That's enough. And that's when I was young and didn't have that many responsibilities the next morning. Yeah, no, I have stuff to lose. Uh, I don't. I've done the midnight movies before, and I'll probably do them again uh, because there is a fun energy to them. Uh, like when I saw The Hobbit, and they had the sneak peek for Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh, right. That was worth it. That was totally worth wow. it. Wow. So, so again, at, at time and place. There, there. I'll probably have another twelve oh one showing in my future, but. 9 p.m. was a lot easier and made writing my uh, my Captain America Shield post Friday morning more productive. Well, good. Well, all right. Well, tell me some of the legal issues you saw. Just right out of the gate, there are a bunch. And we last time we talked about what is Shield's role in the U.S. government, and that was well, they're not going to give us a charter. And if one of the Whedons wants to call us up and say like, "Hey, could you write one?" Dude, we're here for you. <laughs> would be happy to figure that out uh, but it seemed in my view because you don't lo put a foreign power in washington dc or on the other side of the potomac so that would probably be arlington and virginia at that point yes. but uh you don't give somebody the view of the lincoln memorial washington monument jefferson and the watergate which is kind of on the other side so that's a little weird but you don't you don't do that and have it not be part of the united states military government and looking at the founders where you had Howard Stark uh, and, and uh, agent Carter and Tommy Lee Jones's general that I'm forgetting. Yeah. Who was it? I saw a picture of Tommy Lee Jones, but again, I was like, is he in the first movie? Cause I didn't know that he had some connection to captain America or shield. Uh, yes, he was. And okay, he, got to see that he was, he was in charge of the SSR. So, okay. And the division that developed the project and everything. So, yes, he was quite important. So you don't do that and headquarter them on a U.S. military base, put together a team where everyone appears to be American, and not have them part of our joint command structure. Since they're led by a secretary, 
that makes it sound like it's a full cabinet position. And so with, with that would probably require uh, Senate confirmation hearings and, you know, the, the public colonoscopy that goes on with having that. It would, which would mean that S.H.I.E.L.D. was as public as the FBI and CIA and theoretically subject to all the same kind of restrictions and laws. I always assumed that it was a little bit more, what, discreet than that, um, which is, again, why if it were quasi-international of some sort, I think it would be easier, you know, I mean, it may be de facto U.S., um, but in fact, it may technically be part of, you know, the U.N. I mean, they talked about the World Security Council, which seemed like some sort of, you know, Republican nightmare of what the U.N. would turn into. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, because if it wasn't U.S. run and they were doing that, the white right-wing fanatics would be going nuts and the yes. left-wing fanatics would be going nuts. A lot of people in this country would be going nuts with something like that. But you couldn't have the United States build a super spy agency military operation with flying aircraft carriers and the rest of the world go like, yeah, we're cool. I know. Having a World Council for oversight and project approval, uh, it it seems to be like a unique joint venture that we haven't quite seen ever with anything like that before, except maybe World War II and being a supreme allied commander and all the headaches that we went to, through uh, with Roosevelt and Churchill working together to come up with a joint command structure with uh, the, the U.S. and its allies. So it could be something right. like that. So it's heavily U.S.-backed, but we have allies and they're, they're involved. Uh, that's my gut, that it's probably a little NATO-esque. Yes, I think so. But also with a U.S. cabinet position. Huh. All right, well, interesting. Well, they'll have to develop that. But what was the next legal issue you saw? Uh, there are a bunch. So let's, let's break them down into the following lawful orders versus following unlawful orders. Because we have huge issues when everything goes haywire in S.H.I.E.L.D., where they realize that there are acts of treason taking place, and you have good guys who've been following unlawful orders what happens with that? And you have those who go like, uh, no, I'm not going to open the launch bay doors to launch these aircraft carriers after Captain America said not to because something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a bunch of case law and court martials where they didn't, the person was trying to be prosecuted for not following an unlawful order. And when you look at the U.S. Military Code of Justice, Section 90, that's where you have to follow all lawful orders. And there is a wonderful quote from Judge Washington, who was a D.C. uh, circuit judge in the early 19th century, who in 1813 wrote, It is repugnant to reason and to the positive law of the land. No military or civil officer can command an inferior to violate the laws of his country, nor will such command excuse, much less justify the act. And that's United States v. Jones. Oh, wow. Cool. It's like, rock on, dude. And you just got to like those, some of those old opinions because those guys knew how to lay the smack down. (laughs) When you had Agent 13, the new Agent Carter, you know, pull a gun uh, on Crossbones, who would, Become crossbones when they're. Oh, cause is he Ramon, right? Strike? Was that Strike? Yeah, who will become a villain named Crossbones. And okay, so, and we kind of saw a hint of that at the end. 
Yes. So when the guns are drawn and you have the shield agents shooting at each other, you have the good guys going, uh, no, this is an unlawful order that we've now been tipped off to. We're not going to follow it because if we do, we're now joining the conspiracy. Right. So that's where you have the shootout take place. And so those who chose not to follow unlawful orders wouldn't be prosecuted. But there would also be a nice bright line of demarcation and being able to go, all right, this is where we, before knowing Robert Redford was a traitor, and so everything before that leading up to that, if we didn't know, we're going to be okay. Right. But if you did it after we find out that Alexander Pierce is the bad guy and that his henchmen are running around and trying to basically kill 20 million people, you want to put a stop to that. So that's, right. Because that's their entire job, which then leads to the necessity defense. So everything that Captain America, Black Widow, Falcon did from breaking into a U.S. military base to get the Falcon uh, jetpack to breaking into the Smithsonian to get Cap's uniform from World War II. With the shout out or the guest appearance by Stan Lee, as always, of course. So all of that would fall under the category of the necessity defense. And if we want to break down the necessity defense from uh, case law, and this is federal, that there is no legal alternative to violating the law. The harm to be prevented is imminent and a direct causal relationship is reasonably anticipated to exist between the defendant's actions and the avoidance of harm. So the fact that there are guys running around D.C. with um, machine guns, blowing stuff up, trying to do a military coup within S.H.I.E.L.D., trying to launch three aircraft carriers that can target people by their DNA and do mass executions across the planet all at once— those are things that exceed a judicial proceeding, especially when you have United States senators who are traitors and in on, on the treason. Uh, they, you have to step outside, and they'd be able to argue everything that we did was to stop these mass executions from taking place from the flying death machines. Yeah. So unlike Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. last week, who did not have the necessity defense, right, that bothered you, yep. in this case, CAP does. Yeah, because there'd be no other way around it. You know, right. you're, you're going to call. How do you stop Hydra? Yeah, it's who apparently has been around for, you know, since the 50s, working its way through S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, highlighting the problem with Project Paperclip and like, hey, we'll give the former Nazi access to a lot of stuff and hope <laughs> that happens. What could go wrong with that? Not everyone's Von Braun. So, you know, that was, that, that was a poo-poo. Uh, so... There, there we go there. Now, then we get to Bucky. Bucky could be charged with treason because he actually physically did bump off a whole lot of people over 50 years and then get put back into the freezer. However, each time that happened, his mind was wiped, he was programmed, and he would be able to argue successfully the insanity defense. Because if you're suffering from a mental defect or disease, so you don't know what you're doing, that excuses you. That's a defense. A total Does it that you don't know what you're doing or that you don't know what you're doing is wrong? I think it, maybe that varies from state to state because I recall some discussion of this, and that would almost be a question if he knows what he's doing is wrong and that he's killing and he just doesn't care. Does that count as an insanity defense? Well, let's, let's take a look at the California jury instructions on this, and they do vary state to state. But in the second part of the California ones, it says, because of that disease or defect, 
he was incapable of knowing or understanding the nature and quality of his act or was incapable of knowing or understanding that his act was morally or legally wrong. If he's been programmed and he's truly the blank slate and he's just executing orders, there's no cognitive reasoning there of what was right or wrong. It's, I was told my mission was to go shoot this guy. I'm a soldier. That's what I do. I am the fist of Hydra. And so the morality center, the knowing right from wrong and who he was and all of those things uh, weren't there. Well, that's kind of interesting, though, and that is, it's a, is it a morality thing? If he thinks he's a soldier, if it's still a soldier mentality, and in that case, he's actually following unlawful orders and not caring because he's just a soldier and that's what he's been ordered to do. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I don't know enough about the insanity defense to know if it's a morality thing that if you know if you think morally that what you're doing is the right thing, but it's actually wrong, it, and you're thinking that because of some mental defect or condition, you it, know, I don't know. There, there's a lot there. If you think back to the assassin for President Garfield, they they took the point of view that he knew right from wrong and he chose to do wrong. And Bucky's case. He didn't know who he, who he was. He didn't know anything. And, yeah. and looking at how much conditioning took place, the electric shock therapy and programming yeah. that was taking place. Poor Bucky. You could say his mind was white. Yeah. And so there is no reasoning there in being able to say right from wrong. And I, that would be important. And that would be something that a She-Hulk could successfully argue in court to defend him. <laughs> I did think it was interesting, and of course, the first of all, let me take a side note for a second. I hate it when they do the secret scenes at the end after the credits. I would have left, but for the wonderful people in front of me who said, no, no, there are two scenes. And of course, there's one scene, which was cool, and you had to explain some of it to me. Um, and then there's more credits, and I'm like, all right, they're wrong with the second one, but I'm like, I'm going to stay just to be safe. And then there was a second scene with Bucky, so I'm glad I stayed for that. But I'm like, and I get the whole, ooh, insiders know this stuff, but I'm like, still, if it's key to the movie, maybe do like 20 seconds of trailers or something, but that way people who are walking out will be stopped in time to see the trailer. I don't like hidden trailers. I feel like it's fake, like encores. I disagree. It is an <laughs> ultimate treat. It shows a hardcore fan, and how dare you oh. get up and walk out. How dare you? Rue! Rue, I say! <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, see, I guess it is. It's a whole, look, we're a cool inside culture. We know these inside secrets. We've read all the websites, I guess. I'd rather be more inclusive. Let everyone in on the fun. Yeah, that's, it's part of the treat. And, you know, in the first Iron Man, that was like one hell of a, you know, cameo with Sam Jackson and what they did there. And... There were. Wait, I don't know if I saw that. Yeah, Sam Jackson's at the end of Iron Man at the post-credit scene. I don't know if I remember the post-credit scene. Did I see it? I don't know. My memory's bad. Even if I did see it, I've forgotten it. So it's pretty cool, and there are a lot of movies that do those now as a the ultimate trick. Yes, but it means you're stuck sitting through the whole credits for every single movie because you don't know. And if you really have to pee, that's really a pain, and I think it's cruel. A lot of people work harder on that, and I read those names. I look at those songs that are listed there. I do too, but still, not cool. Anyway, so back to so okay, so so yes, Bucky looking and being in the Smithsonian and looking at himself, I thought was uh, a very interesting moment, and obviously, you know, bodes for a future. I'm like, well, that just calls for uh, a follow up right there. Just that one scene alone, eh? If you had any doubt as to whether there were going to be more movies on this, 
Well, there there will be because yes. we see from the, the end, it's about finding Bucky, and so which is again the wonderful part of the loyal fidelity uh, between soldiers and the loyalty that that is shown between. No, I'm going to go find my friend and Falcon. Yeah, me too. I'm with you. Yeah. And True. which is nice. I mean, that was very that was a good message. It was, but I got you off your legal one. So okay, so we talked about the insanity defense. What was your next legal? topic so tied with that because uh, there, there's one fun one at the end but the way Zola was targeting everyone with his algorithm is predictive coding Ooh, e-discovery so, shout out nice they love those in the shield uh, world so it is predictive analytics just as target can figure out your buying habits and there was this creepy study that showed target figured out some lady was pregnant before her father, you know, teenage girl before her father did because right. what she was buying. That's what Zola developed to analyze what people were doing, what their buying was, what they were reading, doctor's appointments, all of that information being funneled in to figure out if they were a threat to be targeted by the flying helicarriers of death. And that would be bad. And, but so the moral I'm taking from this is e-discovery and predictive analytics will ultimately be used for evil purposes. It's a tool. I never <laughs> think you can build a house or crush a skull. So just as you could use, cars are great, but if you use them to drive through crowds, you're killing people. And so it's a tool and it's depending on how you use the tool. If it falls into the wrong hands. E-discovery doesn't kill people. Bad people with e-discovery kill people. AI Pongs kill people. That's basically <laughs> what Zola looked like. It's like, this is Pong. Evil, evil Pong. Oh, that's wrong. It, it was same here. It's 1972. And, and the other fun thing to think about is when you look at the computer room in there, which has look like nine-inch uh, magnetic computer tapes, which were the standard back at that point in time, the human mind Storage capacity is about 2.5 petabytes, according to some of the articles I read. Okay. One petabyte of MP3 music would take 2,000 years to play. Whoa. So, so when you're looking at that you have uh, a lot of material to go through from just one human person's you know, mind. You should see what's in my mind. I don't want to. I tell you. <laughs> Probably animated, but when you take Zola, and it's like, does that include the soul and thinking process, or is it just the raw data? Because, again, we're now getting to neuroscience, and I'm a lawyer. But with the magnetic tapes that they had in there have been enough for several petabytes worth of information. I mean, that would have had to go on, I would think, for miles to cover it, but I don't know. I'm not a computer or math geek, so I could not answer those. I started that is a good question. I started looking at that in the middle of the night, Friday night, when I woke up and couldn't sleep and went like, I, I can't do math at 2 a.m. So I, but I, I was trying to figure it out. So, but it, you should, I wonder, that's got to be out there somewhere. Surely someone's figured that out by the end of this weekend. We should be able to Google that and find an answer. Yeah, I, I, would, I would think so. Was that enough storage tape to add to that? And this also hints that Zola's, uh, the AI will get transferred to the robotic body that we've known him in the comic books for ha having. So, ah, okay. So that's, I believe that's coming in the future. So oh, 
can never get rid of those evil German scientists. Oh, they're, they're like cockroaches. They keep living. They're horrible. So, speaking of which, wait, before we get away from that, I'd say, speaking of the data room, they did, you know, there were a ton of great quips. And I don't know, was Joss Whedon involved with this movie at all? I think it's a good song because there were a lot of very Joss Whedon-esque kind of quips, you know, and clever references to other things. Um, One, of course, being Scarlett Johansson's line as she was booting up the computer down in that room. Uh, What is it? Shall we play a game? Yeah, War Games. Right, which is War Games. So that was an awesome reference. And the other awesome reference that I thought I saw and you confirmed was on uh, Director Fury's Tombstone. The Path of the Righteous for the the Pulp Fiction quote. It's like, dude! Nice. That is pretty awesome. And it fits too, actually, here. But that is awesome because, yeah, at the end of the day, that is his best character. Although I did love when he strode in, when he landed um, after uh, 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 Black Widow had, you know, taken off her mask and was holding uh, Alexander Pierce at gunpoint. And the helicopter lands and he comes striding in. I was like, it was like Darth Vader turning good kind of thing. With that same, you know, commanding, powerful, awesome presence. He had the long black coat on. I had a very Darth Vader kind of feeling from that. And, of course, I love Darth Vader. So it's nice to see a Darth Vader on the good side. The man knows how to make an entrance. Oh, um, does he? And, and they, they shot it well. And it was fun. I mean, they did a very nice job with that. And... The fact that this was real sets, they, there was minimum CGI, that everything was live action. The so way, they actually did crash all those buildings there in uh, D.C.? No. And, you know, <laughs> there's the other rule that buildings in D.C. aren't supposed to be taller than five stories. And they're, they're but that's why they were in Virginia, I think. Yeah, so that's why it would have to be across the Potomac. That's right. In order to be in excess of 41 stories because – all the buildings in D.C. are short and squatty and, and long. That's they why have to be lower than the Capitol, right, by a certain height? Isn't that the deal? That and the Washington Monument, and they don't want to make a bunch of easy targets as well. So, they're, oh. so there, there are multiple reasons for the five-story limit that they huh. have. Uh, but that's why buildings also are, you know, go with the horizon, and they're like three blocks long, which is that's just the ambiance of D.C., that's right, which is a great city. Speaking of D.C. and destruction there, I think that was one of your other legal points, right? Yeah, who's going to clean up that mess? Because I'm sure their insurance carrier is having freak-out moments, but most of the property that's... And a force majeure, could you argue that? God. I mean, Act of God. The, luckily, since we're dealing with government buildings and military action that FEMA's going to get called in, and when you crash three... Brownie gets called back up. Brownie, we need you. (laughs) When you crash three aircraft carriers into buildings and shoot them down, that's a mess. And, you know, since it's the comic books, one would hope they're not nuclear-powered, that they have stark arc reactors in them, which would be a cleaner burning energy source, Ah. as opposed to... Contaminating... Nuclear reactors falling out of the sky and crashing into things, which would make a mess. And DC would be, you wouldn't be able to live there. The capital Potomac would be even dirtier than it is now. The capital would be in Denver at that point. So <laughs> we're going to have to move away. Uh, but that would be, the cleanup would be nasty. And you would have to send in Navy EOD to deal with all of the unexploded bombs from the aircraft that had landed in the Potomac and were in the wreckage of the, of the helicarriers. Uh, there'd be massive fuel spills, jet fuel all over the place. I mean, it'd be an environmental mess. Yeah, it really would. Feds would have to clean it up. And God have mercy on any insurance carriers for private property that took a hit as well because 
at that point, it's like, uh, is this covered? I mean, it would have to be. Or is Congress going to have to go into session and go like, yeah, we're going to have to bail a lot of people out because our flying aircraft carriers flew into things. Turns out we were funding Hydra. Sorry, our bad. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) But we know who a bunch of the traitors are, so – and. And Gary Shandling should have a public execution. So that would be my... Uh, I loved his whole constituent meeting. He is a good, slimy uh, senator. Yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a good surprise because when Shandling said, Hail Hydra, because you didn't expect Shandling to do that. For right. Him. Even though Senator Stern is a jerk. We, we did establish that in Iron Man 2. Uh, but, you know, you look at Gary Shandling and you think Gary Shandling show. You don't think Mass It's the Gary Shandling show. I love that show. And, of course, Larry Sanders, one of the most brilliant shows of all times. Yeah, it's, so you don't think, well, you're a terrorist and a traitor. You know, oops. Um, so good surprise there. Good surprise there. I have to say, um, back to kind of homages to other movies or shout outs to other movies. I thought when Bucky and Cap were on like that catwalk kind of thing, it reminded me very much of the Star Wars scene between, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi and, uh, Luke's, uh, Darth Vader kind of with the whole, you know, former friends. I mean, the whole mentor mentee is a little bit different, but kind of the you know, former friends facing off against each other. So it made me think of that. Although I guess they weren't actually on the catwalk. The catwalk was actually Luke and Darth Vader, wasn't it? Yes. They were just in the bay. So, but maybe it was the two combined, but I had very much a Star Wars feel from the, from that scene. What, what I enjoyed about that was it, it followed the comic because Captain America in the comic Winter Soldier never gave up hope of being able to help Bucky. The issue was, even though my friends committed all of these atrocities and done all these things, it wasn't him actually doing it. And I want to save my friend. And that faith was translated through Chris Evans into the movie with, I'm not abandoning my friend. My goal is to save my friend and stop mass genocide. That's a nice thing too. Yeah. That was necessary. And so that was, I thought it was well done and it wasn't, I have to go kill my former best friend type of thing. It was, now I'm going to figure out how I'm going to go save them. And that was good. That was. Well, let me ask you. So aside from all of his whining, I have to say, I've become a big fan of Chris Evans as Captain America, as much as he's apparently sick and tired of the role. But so he's been in two Captain America movies. He'll be in both of the Avenger movies. Um, I know he's got a six-movie commitment with Marvel. So has he been in any others, or are those the only four so far? Are we going to see two more possibly Captain America movies or, I guess, guest appearances in other movies? So it'd probably be one more Cap, one more Avengers, and so it'd be Mike. Or they might break it up. If they have Cap get killed at the end of Captain America 3, and then 4 is with the Winter Soldier taking the shield, that could be where they're going. But I don't know. I mean, there are the obsessed fanboys that go nuts over this stuff, and it's like... And you're not one of those? (laughs) I I enjoy it, and I love it, but I'd rather be surprised. Uh, that's true. I, I rather I rather go in and, and, and enjoy it. Like for example, the theater where I saw Empire Strikes Back and it, uh, just closed on April first. Ah. Oh. After decades of being, you know, a, a fixture in the South Bay, it closed. But I remember sitting out on a blanket, being five years old, uh, in the burning sun, waiting to go see Empire, and there's magic to that. Mm-hmm. and I don't want to ruin movie magic. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it afterwards. I'm happy to say theories on it, 
but I'd much rather just go and enjoy it and not sound like some bitter, crazy fanboy. Uh, it's like, enjoy the experience. Very true. I went in totally blind, aside from the few clues you had provided me. So I guess we should have maybe said spoiler alert at the beginning of this segment, but hopefully anyone who's trying to watch us will know that they should not watch us until after they've seen the movie. But if not, sorry. Yeah. And so the, the <laughs> Von Structor, the... Uh, oh, right. The other, the other trailer. Okay. The, the, or the other teaser, I guess those are called. Yeah, that was actually you know a meaty teaser that they had, because the one in Thor 2... Unless you were like hardcore and understood the collector, that, that didn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, but this one did. And the comics, he, he, World War II era Nazi. Yes, always a German with a monocle, always a bad sign. Contemporary with the Red Skull, evil genius, fanatical Hydra type person. And so it could have been leading the vacuum which is in the comic, it was one of the locations was Hydra Island. They also had a city under the sea and, and things like that with, that they worked in as well. But uh, basically an immortal Nazi is the short oh. explanation. I don't know if they'll go that way in the movie, uh, but they, you know, the actor did a very nice job of showing him and having Loki's spear and uh, the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in cells. And so we'll see. Those are some pretty potent tools there. Yeah, all all bad. I mean, and the the weapons array that 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 are out there, that missiles and torpedoes and whatnot. It's like, oh, this this is not good. This really is the evil mad scientist laboratory. Uh, yeah, it's not good. Uh oh. Well, Cap has his work cut out for him. I hope Black Widow stays around. Falcon, I love, and hopefully, yeah, Bucky will uh, come to and be a good guy one of these days. They'll work it in. They'll work it in. But it, it was one heck of a joy ride and fun. And it'll be entertaining to see how they deal with the last few episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. And where they well, I'm looking forward to that now. Tuesday night should be very interesting. And that will set the tone for the next season that will then lead into the next Avengers movie. So Wow, Disney has quite the universe going here with this Marvel stuff now, don't they? How about road mapping? I mean, because that you can't just do that off the hip. You have no. You have to think about it, and they have. Well, and luckily they have decades and decades of comic books to help them with all this. I mean, they can't follow them, like you said, completely, you know, but they do have some really well-defined, they have a pretty big multiverse that they can use. So it's not like they're having to, um, you know, start from scratch. I mean, it's still an impressive task what they're doing, but they do have, you know, there's some brilliant people who were doing those comics for years and years, um, and so they have some great guidance. Oh, and some beautiful stories that are that are fun and good messages. So there's a lot there, and yeah. So keep up the good work. But yeah, Captain America just rocked, and well done, well done. So I give it a salute. Yes. Well, you know, if you're gonna salute, salute right. And uh, <laughs> are out. Hand to the brow, and there you go. So I do kind of where the cock guys are like Hogan's hero kind of salute. <laughs> That's my kind of colonel. <laughs> Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I just dated myself, even though that was repeats. But anyway. <laughs> Me I'm, too. I'm not going to get shot in like a weird hotel watching dirty movies. Like, oh, I know that was sad. Oh, so sad. That was weird. But anyway, America. All right. Stay geeky. Stay geeky, America. <laughs> <laughs>